You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. Man, we get to, we're back in Revelation today, and I'm super excited about this. I'm enjoying this. I hope you are. Uh, if you haven't listened to the previous few messages, uh, I recommend you do that. Just, just whatever, you know. And, um, <laughs> and so now, now we're sort of turning a corner. We're sort of turning a corner in our series of Revelation. So John has been writing this letter, and for the last two weeks before this, he was, he was writing to churches. Right? And he was writing stuff like he was on earth, sort of. And he's writing stuff we understand, words we get. And we might not like them all, but we pretty much understand what he's saying. right? And so, But in Revelation chapter 1, if you guys remember, it said he was in the spirit. And so when he's in the spirit, it's like he's almost like he's trans... trans what's the word I'm looking for? No, trans... How do you go... Transmitted. Is that a word? transmitted. He's somewhere else. Okay. That's what I'm trying to say. He's somewhere else. And so it's like in chapter one, he was in the throne room. And so you had to look because it was real colorful language. And, and remember we said that what he said wasn't always what he means. He means what he means. And so we had to look in the background and kind of figure it out. Same thing today. He's going back into the throne room. He's back in the spirit, back in the throne room. And so he's going to talk in sort of a, maybe more visionary terms and not everything's going to be completely literal. And so we're going to have to do a little digging on this. And so the way I think we can think about this, that at least helps me is think about, because we're going to be in Revelations chapter 4 and 5 today. Revelation chapter 4 and 5. Uh, if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and open up to chapter 4. Uh, if you don't have your Bible, please bring one next week. You're going to want, I can't possibly cover everything in these two chapters in my 23 minutes. Uh, but I would encourage you to go home and read this on your own. If you don't have a Bible, come talk to me. Let me get you one. But I encourage you guys next week, bring a Bible, because you're going to want to highlight and underline and all those things. Um, but so in, in this one, he's, um, imagine like a, like a painting, okay? Imagine a, a beautiful painting. And when you're up close to it, it sort of looks like two distinct different things. Matter of fact, y'all ever seen these kind of paintings? When you're up close, it looks like something. And when you back away, it looks like something else. Okay, well, when, you're, when you're up close to this painting, it looks like two distinct panels. Panel number one is God, the Father, in the throne room, okay? It's God the Father in the throne room. Panel two is God the Son in the throne room. So panel number one is God the Father. Panel number two is Jesus Christ. But then when you step back and look at the whole thing, what you see is one picture that just goes together seamlessly. And it's, per- it's, just, a, it's just a picture of the throne room. But we're going to approach this as two different panels that when you step back, you see one incredible painting. And he's going to use a lot of imagery. John's using a ton of imagery. He's going to pull imagery from the ancient temple. And if you guys remember, for, for a Jewish person, the temple was where you went to meet with God, right? Uh, that's where you went to experience the tangible, we use the word manifest, the tangible, uh, real presence of God, you went to the temple. He's also going to pull from the Old Testament a lot. He's going to pull from Isaiah. He's going to pull from Daniel. He's going to pull from Ezekiel. He's going to pull a lot of stuff from the Old Testament today. And finally, he's going to pull from the world around him. He's, 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 he's looking at the world, uh, the Roman world at this time, which, remember, is ruled by kings and emperors. And the, the church is persecuted, and they have nothing, and they're being oppressed by kings and emperors. Uh, emperors are hunting them down and killing them. So he's pulling from these three places to create this picture for us. And one of the things we're going to see a lot in this part of Revelation, and Revelation in general, is we're going to see a lot of worship. 
There are times when John is writing something in Revelation, and it's almost as if he just stops and goes, okay, now let's worship. And I, th- I think we'll, we'll see that more and more as we go through this, that there's times when you're studying the Bible, there's times when maybe even you're in church, which would be a crazy place to worship. There are times when maybe you're in your car, whatever, when you know there's something in you that says, now is the time to stop and worship. And we're going to see that today with John. A couple more things before we get started. Uh, we're going to see a couple of words a lot. We're going to see the word throne a lot. Matter of fact, between now and the end of Revelation, we are going to see the word throne 43 times. Okay, when you see a repeated word in the Bible or in Revelation, what should you do? Stop. Pay attention. When you see repetition, think of it as a stop sign. Stop and go, okay, something's going on here. I'm going to look around and look both ways, right? Some of us do that, right? So we're going to think about it. Uh, There's another word we're going to see repeated. The word is lamb. L-A-M-B, lamb. You are going to see the word lamb repeated 19 times in chapter 4 and 5 alone. And so when you see a word like that, what should you do? Stop. Stop. Good job, guys. By the way, I'm going to need a lot of audience participation today because I'm going to ask a lot of questions. I, want, I literally want you to answer me when I ask them because I've told you that it makes me feel good. So, so when you see this word throne and you see this word lamb, what you are seeing is John unlocking a key to the entire book of Revelation. And the key is this, and I'm going I'm to give you guys sort of a sentence, a phrase that I want you to keep with you as we're going through this, and it's this. God the creator is worthy of praise. Okay, God the creator is worthy of praise. Jesus Christ, his son, is also worthy of praise, equally worthy. Jesus Christ is the lamb who laid down his life for the sins of the world. Okay, you remember those things. Because if you start reading Revelation without those things in mind, you come away with some, some squirrely things. If you start reading Revelation without this idea that God is worthy of praise and the Lamb is worthy of praise and the Lamb is worthy of praise because he laid down his life, if you start reading Revelation without that in mind, you come away with this idea that we as Christians are called to like store up weapons to overtake the world. That's not what the book is saying. If you're picking up Revelation as an excuse to pick up arms, what you're going to find is a reason to lay down your life. And so just keep that in mind. Otherwise, you come away with some very irresponsible readings of Revelation. So let's go. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. And there's this, I was telling my buddy Eric over there, this may be some of the most fun stuff I ever get to preach. I mean, this is just, just good stuff. Revelation 4, 1, it says this. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here. And I will show you what must take place after this. And at once I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald and circled the throne. Okay, okay. So there's a door that's standing open that can't be shut, like with the church at Pergamum. There's a a door open. And so there's a voice that calls us, hey, come up, you got to check this out. And so he goes up there and it says, he sees someone sitting on the throne, right? It says, I see see someone sitting on the throne. Who who do you think sitting on that throne? God. God. He won't even say his name. He won't even say the name of God. Why won't he say the name of God? Because John is a what? What's his nationality? A Jew. And for a Jew, you would not use the full, I mean, he's like, I see something so holy. And if, if I went to, if I saw a throne, the first thing I would do is describe the throne. 
of like there was a throne, it was blue. He's not describing the throne because all that matters to him is that the throne is occupied. And so he's in heaven and he sees an occupied throne. Now, why does this matter to John? Because he is in a world where kings are oppressing Christians and all of a sudden he's in the throne room and he sees this massive, incredible throne and someone is sitting on it. It's not empty. Someone's on it. And he says, and he says before me, he was like, uh, go to the next one for me if you don't mind. He says like Jasper and Ruby. And he can't even, he's, he's, he's not describing the face of God. Why would you not describe the face of God? Because you can't see it. What happens if you see the face of God? Anyone want to guess? You die. And so he, he doesn't want to die. So he's, he's, he's just describing what he can see. And what he can see is holiness. Ruby and Jasper and, and these amazing just things. It, it all, he's just like, this is so holy. This picture is so priceless. It's so beautiful. I can't, even, I can't even describe it. And then he says something really cool. A rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Quick question. When you see a rainbow, what shape do you normally see? Half circle. What shape is this? So this is good. This is kind of like Sesame Street, but we're going somewhere, right? <laughs> it's a full circle. All right, here's, here's what I learned. Actually, Katie Neal taught me this. I should give her credit. Rainbows are always full circles. What we can't see, what we can't see in, the, in this realm in the throne room, you see the completion of everything. And so you see the fullness of the rainbow encircling him. What we only see in part, we will one day see in whole. And what does the rainbow mean to a Jew? What does it mean to us? Think Noah's Ark. What's the, it means what? God's, God's promise. So the rainbow is God's promise, God's hope, God's mercy. We see a portion of that. In the throne room, you see the fullness of God's mercy, of God's hope, of God's promise. It is incredible. He's seeing the fullness of the promise of God. It's a pretty, pretty cool vision he's having. And so it goes on in the next verse, verse 4. Surrounding, okay, surrounding. What's surrounding mean? Around. Again, do you all see what's going on? Everything in the throne room is around the throne because everything in the throne room points to God. Whereas in church, everything points to me or you or my seat or my world or my temperature or my family. In heaven, in the throne room, everything points to God and everything else humbles itself around him. You see that? It's different. And so it says, surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold in their, on their heads. Okay, these 24 elders, the truth is we don't know who they are. Now, there are some opinions. One is that the 24 elders make up the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles. So what the, the reference would be the completion of God's people. So all God's people, but there's 24 of them and they're around, and um, they're orbiting the throne. Verse 5, th this right here. This is why we read Revelation slowly sometimes. It's why we take our time. Verse 5. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and pearls of thunder. By the way, do you guys ever wonder where contemporary music comes from? Flashes of lightning, rolls of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. This, this is one of my favorite verses I read. Okay, from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings. Of, when you think of lightning and thunder, what do you think of? 
Storms, right? That's what you think of storms. The lightning and the thunder, right? We think of storms. We think of storms. And when you think of a storm, what, what's the words that come to your mind? Wind, rain, chaos. I mean, storms, waves, and storms produce chaos. And so at the throne room, there's, there's lightning and there's thunder and there's all this power and all this might and all this wind. It's just like, oh my, it's so holy. You can't even say it's so powerful. But there's something else there. The seven spirits of God, the Holy Spirit. So in the midst of this great power and this great storm, also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, calm and clear. Do you all see how these two things are going together? When you think of a glass lake, what do you think of? Calm, right? Calm, still waters. So in the midst of this area where there's thunder and lightning, there's all this power, there's all, I mean, there's everything going on in this throne room. But in the midst of that, what you feel is a peace that passes all understanding. Even in the midst of great power, even in the midst of things that are beyond your control, you have this deep peace. Shouldn't that be what the life of a Christian is all about right there? That deep peace, even in the midst of the storm. Next verse. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Duh. <laughs> Who didn't see that coming? Well, that's pretty simple stuff, right? <laughs> And I think this all makes good sense. And so, so, so what are we saying here? Okay, there's four living creatures. Biblically speaking, Revelation language, four has meaning. And it means north, south, east, west. It's the four corners of the world, okay? So four creatures at four corners. And what's he saying? All over the world are my people. And, he's, and then he's pulling language from, from Ezekiel and, for, and from um, Isaiah about these cherubim, which they have eyes and some of them are like a lion and all these different things. He's saying different looking beasts that they look different, but they have eyes, which means they can see. So what he's saying is the four corners of the world all around, my beings are watching. My, we're prepared. We're, we're looking over the world from all over the world. And we can sit here and try to figure out what flying like an eagle, ox face, um, then there's what, you know, bat wing, all these different. We can try to figure out all these different things. But what they are doesn't matter near as much as what they're doing. Next verse. Day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Again, y'all are seeing contemporary music is written from the book of Revelation. I wish we sang hymns. It's biblical. This is biblical music, guys. We're putting it together. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever. Okay, so I want you to see a couple things about this. So these creatures, they're at the throne, these cherubim, these angels, and it says they're singing, holy, holy, holy. If you see groups of three in Revelation, stop. It means something. A group of three means there can be no more. It means like if I say, uh, if I say you are the best, 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 uh, if I say, you know, where's, I wish River was in here. If I said River is the sweetest, 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 that means there's no kid sweeter than River. To say God is holy, holy, holy means no one is holier than him. It's like saying he's holy infinity. He's holy. There is no one holier than our God. And so these beings are gathered around the throne and they're saying holy, 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 
over and over and over. What are they doing? They're leading worship. They're worshiping. Because this is what creatures created by God do. They're worshiping God in the throne room. And it doesn't say they sing. Just because it says they're saying, and it doesn't sing all the time. It means everything they do is worship. Every single thing they do is an act of worship. Verse 10. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne, and they worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. How many is that? Three. So what are they saying? You're the fullness of glory, the fullness of honor. You are worthy to receive glory. and There's no one more worthy than you. That's what they're singing. You're worthy, our Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. You created all things, and by you all things have their being. All right, so there's these 24 uh, elders, and are we, or is everybody doing, I know this is a lot, but I think, I think if you take it one chunk at a time, they're all wearing crowns, and they're wearing white, right? What does that mean? The, what are the 24 people? If they're, if they're crowned and wearing white, what does that mean they probably are? Kings. But what are all the kings doing? Worshiping. Remember the world John lives in, in a world where they are oppressed by kings, but in the throne room, there is one king. And all the other kings of the world bow down to him, and they, they surrender to him. There will be a day when every king bows down to the king. There's only one king. And that's why we don't worship politicians or kings, because they are not the king. There is a king, and everyone will bow down to that king. Right? That's what John wants you to get there. They're worshiping him, just like everything else. All right. Now we're going to start chapter 5. And so we're going to begin to move. Chapter 5 starts now. Band, we're starting chapter 5. That's the signal. 5-1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll. Who's, who's on the throne, by the way, guys? Who's, who's he talking about? God, okay? I saw in his right hand a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside of it. And I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll and look inside. Okay, the scroll, it represents the fullness of God's plan. The, the fullness of what God wants for the world. The fullness of, of God's final plan, which a lot of people have claimed to know, but there's only one who knows it, and that's God. And God is holding that scroll, and the scroll has how many seals on it? Seven. Didn't see that coming. If it has seven seals, what does that mean? It means it's sealed perfectly, meaning no one can open it. And so John is, is in, he sees God holding his final plan for all of humanity, the redemption of the world, and John sees God holding. John is like, man, open it. And then John weeps because no one can open that. There's no one who's worthy to open this plan that God has. And then in the next verse, we see something really cool in verse 5. Then one of the elders said to me, stop crying. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. I want you all to stand up. He's in the throne room, okay? He's in the throne room. He's been talking about God. Now he sees something different. He sees God's fullness of God's plan for all of humanity. And no one can open it because no one is worthy. And then he hears, stop crying. There's one who can open it. The lion of the tribe of Judah. 
Who is the lion of the tribe of Judah, guys? Jesus Christ. He's the lion of the tribe. He came from the lineage of David, from the tribe of Judah. And I believe what happens when you see something like this, when Jesus Christ enters the scene as the lion, here's what I believe in my heart should happen. You should worship. There should be moments in church and moments in your and moments in your life when Jesus enters the scene in such a way that the only fitting response is worship. You exist to worship him. The king of the world, the lion, has just stepped into the scene. And as his people, worship is what we do.
there are moments when you should just stop and worship. He's in the throne room, and he's turned, and he's, he's hearing about the lion of the truth. This guy has been oppressed. His people are being killed. He's on an island for his beliefs. And finally, guess who's with him? The lion. Like, he, he's like, all right, now we do this. Now we win. Now we've got power. Now we've got might. Now, now we do what we came to do. The lion of the tribe of Judah. Next verse. Then I saw a lamb looking as if he'd been slain, standing in the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out to all the earth. The lion is what he heard. Right, he's ready. Here we go. We got all the power. And then he turns and he sees a bloody lamb. But a lamb with seven horns, which means the fullness. Horns mean power. Seven of them means what? Perfect power, all powerful. Seven eyes means vision, all all seeing, all knowing. So he sees a lamb that's all knowing and all powerful. But he, he had the lion and then he turns and he sees the lamb. And this lamb had been slaughtered for the sins of the world. And guys, that right there, that is the message of the Bible. Over and over and over, that, that like juxtaposition, that thing where we think we're fixing to overtake everybody with power, and then what we realize is to overtake is to lay down our lives. That is the central message of the New Testament repeated eight billion times. It's, it's when a baby, the king of the world comes, and how does he come to the world? Does anyone remember this? Think Christmas story. He comes as a baby, right? You're like, you'll shoot your eye out. No, the other Christmas story, (laughs) the Christmas story I'm talking about. He comes as a baby, and then they're expecting him to be a warrior like Joshua, and they will over, and then how does he save the world? He dies. And while he's walking around, one day day, uh, his disciple pulls out his sword, and Jesus says, no, 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 put that away. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. And then he says things like, the last shall be first, and the first will be last, and to be my disciple, you have to be willing to lay down your life. And so that's the message of the Bible. But then somehow there are still people who worship this message of, of like nationalism, of, of we're going to win the war by taking over everything, of we're going to store up weapons, and we're going to win the battle through political might. We must understand that is not the message of the Bible. The message of the Bible is not we win this by force. The message of the Bible is we win this by willingly surrendering our lives just like the lamb. And if that's not a message you like, I'm sorry, but you still don't get to rewrite this. We got a lot of evangelists making a lot of money right now off a lot of lies. The message of the Bible is not, we will dominate. The message is, I love you. It's a harder message, isn't it? It's a harder message. But that's, that's the message. We don't win the world by outgunning it. We win the world by outloving it. Amen. And that's, that's the message we see over and over. And I, I don't know what we do with that, but it, I know there's a response we see in the Bible. 
When he's expecting the lion and he turns and he sees the lamb, there, there, there's a risk. And we're going to see this a lot from John. He's going to hear or see something and he's going to turn and it's going to be something totally different. But the response in heaven to this lamb wasn't, oh, poor pitiful me. Listen in verse 7. The response to this lamb is worship. He went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne and he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open it and its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. A friend of mine this morning said, isn't Christianity really exclusive? Isn't Christianity sort of racist against other people? Let me read that line again. There was, there was a tribe of people from every, every nation and every tongue and every language. This is incredibly inclusive. The lamb welcomes all people who will bow their knee to the lamb. He's not bound by color. Or he's, he's, everyone, come to me. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels sing, Worthy is the Lamb. Thousands upon thousands and tens of thousands. Guys, that's not a literal number. What he's saying is more than I could count. Like if you go deer hunting and you tell me, man, I saw 142 deer. I know you're just saying you saw more than you could count. When you're duck hunting and said, man, we saw 1,100 ducks out there. No, it's not a real number. You just saw a lot of ducks, right? What he's saying is more than I could count. More than could be numbered. And then in verse 12, it says, In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power. Listen to this one, guys. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive I want you all to count with me. To receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. How many is that? Seven. What a shocker. What are they saying? He's worthy to receive everything. It's not that complicated, is it? He's worthy to receive everything. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea, and to all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. What, what is, what's this a picture of? Is this a picture of hoofed mammals doing really confusing things? What's this a picture of? In the throne room, what's going on, guys? Worship. Why are they worshiping? Because the lion laid down his life like the lamb. And everything in the throne room is gathered around this lamb. And everything is worshiping him. And everything is about his glory. And do you know what separates God's people from other people in the world? It's not your theology. It's not your church attendance. It's your worship. Creatures who belong to God worship God. And what we just got was a picture of perfected worship. There's, there's a prayer, an old prayer. Maybe some of you heard it. It goes something like this. Uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. What's the next line? Thy will be done on earth. This is earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done in this room as it is in the throne room. Okay, we just got a picture of what everyone is the, in the throne room is doing during worship. How's that going in here? Why not? Thy kingdom come. We, we want that on earth as it is in heaven. This room 
should look like that room. And so the only question you need to ask yourself today is this. Is he worthy of worship? And I don't know what worship looks like for you. But I know what it looked like for them. It was obvious. You know, there wasn't one angel that that said, I'm I'm just sitting down looking angry. And they're like, oh, he's worshiping in his heart. No, no, no. (laughs) No, it was really obvious who was worshiping. And so, Ben, y'all come out. Y'all stand up for me. Y'all stand up. We're going to sing another song. And you want to sing a song that's full of theology? We're about to do it. And so what should your response be? You've heard about this line and you've encountered this lamb. We've, we've been painted a picture of worship. Some bow down, some lift up, some, some eyes shut, some looking up, some flat on their face. What, what, what should worship look like for you? Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Should, should we need an echocardiogram to know who's really worshiping? And you know what? Uh, we, preachers let people off the hook all the time. Is worship is between you and God. No, it's not. Worship is between us. We are the body of Christ. We belong to each other. We belong to each other. It is between us. And so I would tell you, is he worthy? If he is, let him know it.
after this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.